Hello and welcome to our podcast named Detours. This podcast embraces the unexpected twists and turns that shapes the journeys of our lives that God sends us down. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Mike. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Deb, and we invite you to join us on this exploration of uncharted territories we encounter along the way. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Tour fans, welcome to episode number six. I am Mike. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Deb. Hi. Episode six already. I know. It's flying <laughs> by, isn't it? It is. We're having fun, though. Yes. Hopefully, the audience is having a good time with us, and we have got a wonderful topic today. Yep. Singleness. Singleness. Yes. So let's let's talk about, let's recap kind of the last episode where you read... Uh, the poem or this the, the it was journal my forgiveness entry. yeah my forgiveness letter called once upon a divorce which can be found on my website and um it was an opportunity to really kind of set the slate clean in my life and and forgive my ex-husband and kind of approach the next season of my life and and so Obviously, this isn't technically the next season because singleness was while you did this journaling oh, yeah. entry. But this is something that is is near and dear to our hearts because uh, both as Christians and, and as people that are in the church, uh, churches don't often do a very good job addressing how to be single. They, 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 they miss the mark on that. But it's not just them. It, it's society in general. Society in general values people in relationships or, you know, some other things that we're going to get into tonight. But uh, yeah, singleness is is a very much a blessed season. So after, or I guess during you writing this journal entry, you were in a season of singleness, right? Oh, yes. I was in a season for a long time. And initially I was not happy about being single, you know, obviously on the of heels course. of divorce. And it took me a while to understand the beauty of singleness. And I think when we talk today, we should really hit on both sides of the fence. Those that want to remain single, because there are people that do, and those that want to be in a relationship down the road. Because both of those types of singleness are actually pretty different from one another. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. Um, but we also, I think we're going to start off by talking about what they kind of have in common. Uh, so just singleness in general. Let, let's let's go to you first, though. Okay. Uh, well, I, I guess both of us were single for seven years before we met one another, which yeah. is ironic, the number for completion, right? God is good. God is good. Um, so you enter you you became single about how old again when like when was your divorce how old were you oh gosh i was in my 30s so i got saved when i was 33 and then um it was not that long after being saved maybe two years two and a half okay po possibly three so let's say about 35 Okay, so you're yeah. mid thirties. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I became single. I was I was about thirty three, maybe so just a few years younger than you. So all of a sudden, you get sent down this detour. Right. You're used to. I mean, you're hundred percent Italian. Family means everything, right? You're you're not only your husband, but you have a stepchild, or you had a stepchild. I, he's still mine. Yes, he is. He's still mine. I claim him. He claims me. So it's, and, and you guys do have a nice relationship. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and so all of a sudden you're sent down this detour that is the single life. Right. And I think when you come off the heels of being divorced, there's this sense of like, who, who am I when I'm not a wife and I'm, and a mom, it, it's kind of a little uh, jarring initially because you identify with taking care of people. You identify with um, being coupled with someone and then that's gone. I mean, I remember we separated and it was like the first Thanksgiving without like this 
man and his son and you know like it was just odd it was an odd feeling to try to discover who I was really outside of being a wife and a mom I was still a mom but that role and I think I missed that more than I'm and I missed him actually. You you were down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Was his family also there? His his family lived in New Jersey. Okay, so, but did you spend most of your holidays with, down in Florida? Oh yeah, with mom and dad and and you know the kids and and then all the crazy extended family or friends of the family that were like family. You know, Italians don't have crazy family. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I, I would know firsthand now. Yeah. Now. I mean, you know, you're the crazy one in the family, not me. Well, yeah, that's probably uh, probably true. <laughs> all right. So anyway, so, so what is that like? All of a sudden, there's a void in your life. What 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 is that feeling going into the first Thanksgiving? Is that, that was quick. You said you divorced in September, right? Well, we separated in September. Se- the divorce uh, took a okay. while to happen, but yeah, we separated in September. So the first major holiday was Thanksgiving. Yeah, so eight weeks later is a food holiday, which is Italians' favorite thing to do right. is food. That's literally a verb to them, uh, to you, uh, <laughs> is, is food. So it is something you do. And, and so... Ital- give, give me what is what is an Italian Thanksgiving? Because you guys have lunch is three to four hours long. So what is Thanksgiving lunch like? Well, we just you know we start early because there's courses and why not? Yes, of course. You, you know gotta, you gotta have you corn. gotta have an appetizer to start with, and everybody eats cheese and grapes and you know an antipasta, and you wait Nothing, a little bit. Yeah, straight then, off the boat, pilgrim antipasta. Yep. <laughs> And then, like, when I was growing up, they'd serve lasagna before the turkey. We stopped doing that, you know, many years ago. But, you know, there's the lasagna and the meatballs. And then you wait. It's a couple hours. Game. Yeah, a little card game. Definitely a, little a card game. Okay. And then there's the turkey and the stuffing and all the American Thanksgiving foods. That- you smush that in the middle. Right. Okay. And then you, but then you pause because, you know, you're full. And then you go back in for nuts and fruit and, you know, all kinds of things that are, you know, the end of the meal kind of things. And when do the cutlets come out? Oh, stop with these cutlets. Oh, no they're cutlets. Always bring, yeah, they're always bringing, you guys always bring cutlets. Everybody's full and somebody's bringing out cutlets. All right. So yeah. then you go into dinner, or excuse me, dessert. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you have this all day affair, but all of a sudden. It's just me. It's. You know, me and my son, but it just, it feels very, to be honest with you, it just felt, it was devastating. Of course, that was someone that, you know, you had made a commitment to, a covenant. Yeah. And and that person chose not to be there. You never walk down the aisle and think, well, I'll do this until something better comes along. You know, that's not, that's not the heart of people getting married and standing up there. And sometimes, you know, one person wants to stick and stay and the other person wants to go and... You know, there's nothing you can really do about that. If someone wants to go, especially even in the realm of, you know, Christianity, if the unbeliever wants to leave, you have to let them leave. And so that's what I did. And so you're you're roughly 35 years old. Yeah. You're eight weeks from separation. What? How does the family treat you? I think, is there an elephant in the room that doesn't get talked about or? Well, you know, that is, doesn't. No. Not in an Italian family. Everything's out on the table? Mostly. Okay. You know, mostly. But do people, are are they dancing around your feelings? Are they straight, you know, no, no, swinging for the fences? What, how did they treat you? What a great question. They pretended like I wasn't divorced. (laughs) How does that, what is that? How how does that go down? I think they felt like if they brought it up, it would be too um, painful, maybe. Or they were just so consumed with, you know, company and eating that they just felt it was not appropriate to talk about. But I do remember, you know, in my singleness, my mom coming to the point where she was just like, oh, honey, I just, I don't know. I wish you would find a nice man. And I'd be like, yeah, mommy too. You know, like she felt like I should be with somebody. 
And I think that's how culture looks at singleness. Like, oh, you should be with somebody, honey. And 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 you, you actually have so not just not, your mother was started laying it on thick. Yeah, you, not for a while, but yes. You also have a really funny story. Oh, <laughs> my sister's story. Uh, the the where you took yourself out on a date. Yeah. Okay. Why, why so, don't you tell us that story? I'll tell you that story. I was talking to my sister. We did a weekly call, and she was just chit chatting. And I said, you know what? I think I'm gonna go out to dinner and just go to a movie and take myself out on a date. And she goes, "You're gonna do what?" And I said, "Well, yeah. I mean, what am I gonna do? Sit around the house? I got to get out of this house." Oh, I could never do that. Now, she's a very, very independent woman. So it's a shock to me that she cannot take herself out to dinner. Yeah, a little knowing her, I, I am a little bit shocked yeah. by that. But she's also very social. Mm -hmm. She so is. So I, I could see that aspect of her finding someone to go she with. She didn't want people to feel sorry for her. Ah, a little weakness maybe, seen as weakness. Oh, you poor thing. You're eating by yourself. Yeah. And that's what she she equated it to and i'm very different in the respect like i don't really care what you think i don't okay. want to sit in the house i rather enjoy a meal and so um she gave me that kind of like oh people are gonna feel sorry for me and lo and behold i go out and i am standing in line at the movies and there's like three or four people i know together and they're like oh hi who are you here with i'm like myself Oh, well, that's cool. Okay, nice. I said, yeah, I'm taking myself out on a date. And as soon as I said that, oh boy, I got the head tilt and the, oh, okay. Like they were stumped. And I thought, wow, my sister was right. They, <laughs> they feel sorry they for me. They pitied you. They did. Now, are these people you knew through the church? People yes. outside? This, this, okay, these are so these church are people, people from church? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to come sit with us? And I was just, at that point, I was like, absolutely not. You pity me? I'll sit by myself. And I did. And I had a nice night. It was a really nice night. I enjoyed a meal. I watched a movie. And I felt like it's okay. It's okay that this is where I'm at. And that's kind of the point of today's broadcast mm -hmm. is it's absolutely okay. And I do think we need to talk from that side of the fence because there are lots of people that we know personally that just enjoy their singleness. And I don't think the culture really allows people to embrace singleness unless you do it in a secular way. And the secular way is, hey, let me, you know, what stays in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's what kind of, yeah, you know the tagline. Yep, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's it. Like singleness is a sport, you know, from yeah. a secular viewpoint, it's like, how many people can I bed? And if I'm not doing that, then there's definitely something wrong with me in my singleness. That's or, yeah, or just in a, a live-in relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, right. whatever it may be. Right. You know, there's lots of uh, lots of unbiblically acceptable perspective out in the world. There's plenty of that to go around. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, for me, it was it was different. I, I wasn't married, but I became single, like I said, probably 32, 33 or so, um, left a, a relationship. And, yeah, I, I immediately, I don't know about you, but I immediately just started getting involved in the church more. Um, went and served in convalescent ministry, uh, went and did Bible studies and classes and all sorts of things. Um, what, what did that look like for you? I also got really busy in the church. I felt like I had all this unaccounted for time that I would normally have to account for for somebody. And, you know, my son was a teenager by this time, so he, he had a job and he was going to school. So there was a lot of spare time. And so I did, um, I'm very, very um, in love with a ministry called EMA. That's for single moms. And I was the single mom, so I got involved with EMA. Uh, I got involved at uh, Four Kids, which is a foster care program out of Fort Lauderdale. And I just served and, and had this, a really good time doing that, honestly. And, and this is the part of the detour that overlaps for everybody, whether you desire to be in a relationship or you are, are completely content being single. This is the area that overlaps, 
right? The, the Bible says, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Right. If you desire to be in a relationship with someone else, take delight in the Lord now. And, and he will give you that desire of your heart. And if you love being single, maybe you love to travel. Maybe you've always, you know, Israel is on your bucket list or for us, it's Italy, whatever it may be, you know, take delight in the Lord first. So get out there and, and start volunteering or go to Bible studies. And one of the things that you actually did really well when we were talking about this, you mentioned it, uh, was just finding another person that was in a similar season as you that really could speak life into you, into that, you know, into your life during that single season. Well, there was two friends. There was two friends, one okay. friend that was married and she embraced me. And a lot of married people don't feel comfortable embracing a single woman. And so that was really a beautiful picture of biblical community. And then the other friend had just unfortunately had a very similar situation to me and was getting divorced. So we were, you know, two girls just going, oh, I guess this is what our life looks like now. So it was beautiful to have both of those people in community. And I have to, I have to give kudos to my friend and her husband who looked after me, you know, and they, they weren't afraid to invite me to Thanksgiving or to, um, things that couples sometimes leave out other people that aren't couples, you know, did these, did this couple have kids? No. They did not have kids. Yes, I, I think that's part of it. That that's what makes things a bit unique for you and I. We're we're both in our forties, and and you know you and I chose not to have children, which is well, uh, uh, me not having any additional together, children, yes, right? Me together, um, and even that in and of itself is a unique discussion to have down the road. Yeah, but that that does lend itself to it's it's unique for us to be this age and not have children living in the house uh, and, and so in, in your case um you know you, you got put in a situation where you had a, yeah a good friend that her and her husband could invite you out and, and you know it's it's so such a blessing when you can have a friend like that that doesn't look down on you because you're single and it doesn't talk to you or treat you differently and can just be a friend. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's not like she felt sorry for me. She just wanted to make sure I was well taken care of. You know, there's things as a single woman that I'm not real skilled in, you know, don't get me a piece of Ikea furniture and ask me to put it together. I just, I, that my brain doesn't work that way. And I know there's a lot of women who can, but that's not me. So she'd send, you know, her and her husband would come over and hang out while they put my furniture together. It was just, it was such a nice way to take care of me. You know, the things that I would have asked a husband to do that I really felt wasn't my strong suit. She lent her husband to do that for me. And that, that was a huge blessing in my life, honestly. Yeah, and then you also had this other friend you mentioned that was going through a divorce uh, at the same time. Mm -hmm. What value did did that relationship bring for you? Well, we could we can empathize with one another. We can empathize with the pain and the awkwardness of being together with someone for so long and then it being gone. We could empathize with the way other people looked at us. Oh, you're single. You know, the head tilt is what I like to call it. Um, we could just empathize with the fact that um, marriage could be hard, but so could singleness, just like marriage can be a blessing, and so can singleness. And so can singleness. So I think it was nice to have somebody who understood what I was going through and was in a similar season and who was pursuing the Lord, too. It wasn't as if she was single and then she was out, I have to meet a man. We were both pursuing Jesus very hard in our singleness. And that I needed somebody to to do life with, and she was that person for me. And I think that's so critical of anyone in the single life, is is just find that person or those people. Because you've even talked about... Um, just the fact that you had no female friends, that was one of the first hmm. prayers that you prayed I didn't. that when, you know, you, you became a Christian, you wanted to have female friends. 
Desperately so, wanted female friends. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, when I was not a Christian, the only friends that were around were people that partied with you. You know, the people you'd see on a Friday night at the local bar. And they were fun to hang around with, but no depth, no substance. If you were really in need, they weren't around. And I was feeling the pain of that for a long time prior to getting saved. And I was just, I just longed to have a friend that I could just be myself and like do life with. And women in the world um, outside of Christianity, and this is my experience, not everybody's, but they were very competitive, very jealous, very petty. Um, I think I may have had one really good friend in high school. I think she listens to the podcast, which is cool. Uh, her and her sister. But beyond that, I really didn't have any friends that I could say, oh, that's my home girl, as people would say. Um, I just didn't have it. And I really wanted that in life. I saw my mom have a lot of really good friends since childhood. And they were, you know. Different generation. They they, they did yeah. friendship differently. It, it's quality. It's harder now. It Everything seems to be harder. It's amazing how much certain aspects of life have gotten so much easier and certain aspects have gotten harder. And I think, you know, in a life of singleness, making friends, and, and it can only be one or two. You know, you really, really need if you have quality friendship. Yeah. To, yeah. To have the, you know, it's great to have a, a big circle of friends, but just, that one or those two or even three that you really can go to with just about anything, you know, going to have fun, staying in, having dinner, mm -hmm. questions uh, about single life, whatever it may be, uh, you know, it's great. So that that's the very first aspect of singleness that I think is so Overlaps. critically, yeah, that it's so critically important. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get into a relationship or not. Right keeping yourself active, you know, I think I've even mentioned on this podcast before, like God, God didn't call people that were just kind of sitting around, right? He, he called a bunch of men who were out fishing or collecting taxes or even persecuting Christians. They could even be busy doing the wrong things, but they were busy. And, and so the best thing, one of the best things for you to do is, is stay busy, so for me, like I said, it was convalescent ministry, convalescent ministry. For those that don't know, um, you, you go around to different retirement homes and you go and, and you, we, we would put on a little church service, uh, every Sunday, you know, and, and we, uh, would go around to all the rooms, knock on the doors and say hello to people and invite them to come to church. And, and it'd take about half an hour, 45 minutes to do all your rounds. You know, there's there's probably six of us there every week. And if they wanted to, there's a little activity room that we would, you know, wheel them up there and we'd have a little tiny church service and play a couple of worship songs and do a 15, 20 minute sermon and, you know, just make sure that they're loved and, and cared for. So, I, you know, I dove into that and I, I never would have done that because all my grandparents passed away when I was young. So when I thought to, hey, let me go volunteer yeah i had a sick brother that, that passed away and so I, i've spent a lot of time working with children's hospitals and and so that was quick on my list and and even hanging out with people my own age we have kind of like a college if you will ministry college and young adult ministry at calvary and and i went to go volunteer with that and every door that i went to it got closed and I was just kind of like, God, what, what are you doing here? I, you know, I, I want to serve you. Singleness, the, the season of singleness is such a blessing because it's a gift of time and flexibility. For sure. You, you're, you're given time that you wouldn't otherwise have. And, and so I, I had a conversation with God where I was just like, God, I'm, I'm trying to bless you back where you're giving me the gift of all this time. And I want to give some of it back to you. And like I said, I was going to all these different ministries, going to all these different places and the doors kept closing. And I said, God, I'm not taking no for an answer. And, and so I just kept looking, just kept looking. I love that you pursued that way because some people would just get discouraged and, and would say, well, guess it's not this, this is not the time I'm should, should be serving. Yeah. And I didn't even know what convalescent ministry was. <laughs> I literally started when I, you know, I signed up for a bunch of different things that I wanted to sign up for. And when nobody called me back or, you know, ever got back to me, 
I just said, all right, I'm going to start at the letter A and I'm going to start signing up for everything. And I'm going to give it 48 hours in between each, you know, sign up. And I, I signed up for convalescent ministry. Who, who knows what that is? That, that's like a churchy word. No, but I didn't know what it was, but I signed up for it. And within 15 minutes, that that pastor called me back and said, where do you live? <laughs> I, got a, I got a home five minutes from where you live. Be there on Sunday. And so that was my assignment for that season of singleness, one yeah. of my assignments. Um, as I like to say, everybody has a calling. And, and while I didn't see that as a calling, it absolutely was an assignment because God had had a lot to show me there. Um, yeah, I think he prepared you for my parents. He absolutely you know, did. They're 80 and 90. And I think you have a, a patience and a genuineness with them that probably came from all your time spent there. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, my, my grandparents, I never even knew my grandparents, none of them. I have like one or two memories of my mom's dad. And because in my singleness, I turned to God and said, God, I want to re-gift some of this time back to you. He gave me an assignment and who knew that five years before I ever even met you, was preparing that you. Preparing had begun, because I, I I would have never have known, the you know the gentleness that you need to have with an eighty and a ninety year old. I never would have like you said the patience and so on and so forth. And so I I I still look back so favorably upon that time in my life where I got to give back. And and you mentioned you also you served with both Ema and four kids. Yes. Right. So EMA, Every Mother's Advocate, uh, is, is a program uh, started in South Florida. It's now growing. Uh, it's got affiliate programs all around the country. Uh, but that is, uh, you know, again, that's a single mom's ministry. Yep. And so you you decided to become like almost like a coach. So they would just almost give you, okay, a mentor yeah. is what they called it? Yeah, an advocate in a sense. I mean, I don't think she uses the word mentor, Okay, but an advocate would be the best word to describe what my role was. And I got to, um, you know, be the person that they called when things were rough. Um, they meaning the organization? The single, no, or the just single the mom. mom. Okay. If that was my assignment, you know, it was that young lady. And I mean, you had more than one that you could um, advocate for, but you'd walk them through different curriculums. We had done, um, a curriculum for sexual abuse. We had done a curriculum on, um, they have uh, finances. They have all sorts of things. Oh yeah. It was a really good program. We yeah. should definitely link that to the notes so that people can find it. Cause it, it was an incredible program and that was an opportunity for me to really pour into another single mom. Because I know what it felt like to be a teenager and to be a single mom. And I just love the opportunity. And then four kids was just, it was a blessing because I got to um, serve in a bunch of different capacities there. At that time, they were doing um, big cardio was run through uh, <laughs> four kids, which was a huge event every year where they would do like a 5K and a fitness um, class and, you know, boot camp and that was my career. So I got to serve in that capacity. So four kids had a lot of variety and it was a blessing to be able to do that. Yeah. And so for both of us, just singleness, whether, you know, neither one of us really chose to be single and, and probably neither one of us were super happy about it, but no. you know, the old cliche when you get when life gives you lemons you make lemonade right the, when when god asks you to go down that detour uh of singleness whether you're married or not in your case you were married in my case i wasn't right you know you can choose you can absolutely choose to embrace it and you know and, and that's where I, I would challenge the church to look at that as a blessed season. I mean, Calvary Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, our sanctuary holds up to 3,500 people. As a church, we are 52% single. Wow. So it, it is the majority of people in that sanctuary are single. And, and the capital C church does emphasize married life. Um, I think it's because, you know, raising children the appropriate way is so incredibly important that you have to speak to that. 
Um, and, and just how you do life as husband and wife is absolutely important. Very important. Uh, but but part of why we want to talk through singleness is there's so many aspects of singleness. We're, we're even talking about doing an entire season on singleness. Because there's a lot to say, th- for there sure. Is. There is. There's a lot of different angles to look at it. A lot of things that I would love to see this, the church step up. And, and right, if they if they can teach you how to raise your kids, why can't there be curriculums out there to teach you how to do singleness? Again, are you looking for a relationship? Here's here's a roadmap. Here's right. red flags. Here, here's all biblically. Right. This is how you do singleness. Whether you want to be in another relationship or not, biblically, this is how you do singleness and celebrate that. It, 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 it I, never I would, felt celebrated. It felt like you were in a holding period until you got to the altar. It always felt like a holding period. And I think, you know, when you look at, I mean, Apostle Paul is a great example. He Oh gosh, what's that verse? It's um, 1 Corinthians 7, like 8 and 9. And I don't normally read the Message Bible, but man, it just sums it up so beautifully. It was one of those paraphrases where I was like, okay, I I like the way this is worded, and I think most people can relate to it. Um, I'm going to read it. Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for any everyone, any more than marriages. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. And you know what? That's so true. There is They're a both gift. Gifts. Yes, they well, are. You don't have to long to be in a relationship. You can. Right. There's, no, there's nothing wrong no. with longing for that, but there's also nothing wrong with enjoying the single life and, and seeing it as a gift. It's not a dilemma that has to be fixed. And I think that's how the culture sees it. And I, I think sometimes that's even how the church sees it. Well, it, It's hard as Christians because, let's face it, celibacy. Yes. Right. The, the, the secular world, they value relationships because you can sleep around. You can occupy that time um, inside the church. If you are gung-ho in love for Jesus, you are living a celibate life. And, and there's a lot. There's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. And we'll talk about that another time Yes, uh, inside of the church. But if you're full on dedicated to Jesus, celibacy is a very real struggle. Oh, I will, f- without <laughs> a doubt, <laughs> your, your mother. What, what, there was a saying that your mother. She, you were like combing her hair or something. Oh, what I was, was plucking it? her chin hairs. Oh my gosh, this is great. Tell the uh, story. I'm sorry, mom. If you're listening, which I know you're not, because you she don't doesn't know. know Spotify. Right. She okay. Know so it. we would Go always. Now. I would do dinner on Thursdays and I after dinner would pluck her chin hair she's Italian she's got chin hairs and we're chatting about my singleness and of course I get the whole oh honey and I said well you know what mom I'm just I'm doing this God's way I'm going to do it God's way and she goes oh what does that mean which I found to be funny um I said well naive Arlene yeah I said well you know I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be celibate and she goes, how are you going to be celibate? How are you not going to have sex? And I thought, oh, my God, my own mother doesn't think I could do this. <laughs> she, she does. She's honest. Well, she knew well, it would I be love, hard for me. <laughs> I love your mother because she has such a heart of a child that it just comes out. And, and yes. she's so innocent on one hand. On the other hand, she can be so insensitive. But she just, yeah, how are you going to be celibate? But, but in all fairness. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I would have changed the tone, but that's a very, very good question. And, and I think that mm. that's part of why if you're Christian and you're single and you're choosing to be single right. and choosing to be happy and choosing to praise Jesus with everything. And if you're a female and a good looking guy walks by and you're just so happy on Jesus, you don't notice or vice versa. 
people that are now that I'm married, like, man, I'm glad I don't have to be celibate anymore. I'm glad that you and I. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, It's <laughs> such a hard challenge. And I think because sexuality is the most hotly contested thing in our culture at the moment, the choice to be celibate speaks to the world. They want to know, are you going to. I mean, are you really going to do what the Bible says? Are you really a Christian? I think it's a huge testimony to the world when you say, yeah, I really am going to do it God's way. It's not even I think it's a testament. It's a flat out statement. Oh, for sure. I remember telling people I'm reclaiming my virginity and the gasps and awes of just like, you're what? Yeah, I had a group of ladies just totally... I stumped them. When it's it's a, if you say I'm going to be celibate until the day that I get married, that, that's not a statement that other people just glance by. No, that they they can be at the next table over and they hear that and they go, wait wait a minute, what 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 right. what was that? You know, and so it it really is, it really is a challenge. But when you love Jesus and you serve. And, and so on and so forth. We, I was single. We were both single for seven years before we met one another. It, it really was a blessed season. Yeah, you, you think about sex. No, uh, Michael, I you, thought about sex a lot. I, I, yes. You, you, Let's you, be honest. Like, there I, are going to be people that are better at celibacy than others. So yes. I want people to know out there, if, if I could do it, anybody can do it. Because... You know, I enjoy sex. As do I. And, and, but now that we're on the other side of it, yeah. I appreciate so much of what we both did. Me too. It, it, there, there is so much to be said about that. You know, um, it, it, when, when we're both single and we choose to be celibate, and honor God when we're married, should something present itself, right? should the opportunity to drift outside of marriage ever present itself, I have so much more confidence in both you and I that we can sustain that temptation because we did it before we were married. We chose to do it right. before I even knew you, I made that choice. And and so it really does change the game. It, it, I'm so glad that we made that decision and we, we stuck with it. Me too. Um, so, you know, that, that does make the single life different as a Christian. It does. And I think that there's a, to have a support system of people who believe in you, who believe that, you know, that you can do this is important because there are a lot of Christians in the church who say, you can have everything of me, God, except for this. And they're, you know, they are behaving like the world, you know, when, when the doors are shut. And when you find a Christian who is also walking in that path, it's really helpful to have that camaraderie and that like, Hey dude, today was really hard. You know, I happened to see a good looking guy and I just, I felt like I was lusting and I had to go and confess to God, like, and really confess to another person so that somebody would keep me accountable to that. But that goes back to the friends we were talking about earlier, right? That circle of influence for sure. Where, Yeah. (laughs) There are going to be times where you're frustrated. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are times where you're, maybe you're not, but having that circle of friends that you can turn to and, and just talk through those things, because, you know, we both love one another's parents very, very deeply, but there are times where you want to go to someone else. Oh, there are sure. topics that my dad is the only person on the planet that I would talk to, or at least he would be the first stop. And, and there are other areas where... I, I don't want, uh, he, he's not the stop. He's just not the guy. There's, you know, our, our, our mentor, Pastor Bill. There's my best friend, Greg, that lives out in college. You know, just depends on what it is. It may even depend on my mood. So just going back to what we were saying earlier, just in the in the area of celibacy, having that support group, you know, that, that circle of friends that understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and they're for you. Yes, 
is, is critical. Yeah. Absolutely critical. And I think that I said it in a previous podcast, there was a point where it became so difficult that I, you know, I unfortunately made the wrong decision. But I think when I look back at that choice, there were so many mental compromises that I made to get to that choice. And I had really wrong thinking about God. I, at some point, if I'm being completely audience, you know, honest with the audience, I felt like, God, you know that I want this really bad. <laughs> and I, I am waiting and I, I want the right man in my life. But I, I feel like you're holding out. I feel like you're, you're holding out on me, Lord. And that was such wrong thinking that if I would have confessed that to somebody instead of keeping that buried deep inside me, I, somebody would have corrected me. And I think that's really important to understand that you, you, you can be completely on the right path and have one seed of doubt in your mind and the devil will use that and feed into that. I mean, he did it in the garden. Did God really say that? I mean, doubt is a deadly thing. And um, it took me falling in that area to really recognize, like, I am not, number one, I'm not missing out on anything. You're not holding out on me. You really do want what's best for me. And when I, you know, recommitted to that, I realized, wow, Lord, you were protecting me, not holding out on me. And and I, I so this is, we've kind of, uh, slowly migrated into the area of people that want to be in a relationship. Yeah. So let's run with this. And, and uh, your thought process that you just articulated is so common. God, why are you holding out on me? It, and that's, it's such a valid perspective. Like I understand why people have that opinion, you know, coming from from me so you were divorced and, and became single and and so on for me i never got married so i'm sitting there i became again i became single maybe around 32 33 but it was seven years before you and i got together so i'm coming up i was almost 40 when i got married for the very first time and you better believe i was sitting there going god i i work for the church I lived in the, uh, the, my job before I worked for a church, for the church, I worked for a company called Accenture and I literally got to travel the globe. I, I was over in Singapore and China and Japan and I worked with Zara. Yeah, I worked with Zara out of Spain. I did all these amazing things. I lived in a condo on a top floor on the beach and I was a man that loved Jesus and, and I, I was, it might as well have been, you know, a, a relationship was the furthest thing that I could get to. And, and I, I, I wanted to be in a relationship and I absolutely said, God, what, what is going on here? Are, are you holding out on me? I don't understand this. I see all sorts of people that should not be in relationships <laughs> that have no idea what they're doing. They're doing everything wrong. And they have a relationship. And they have relationship. And here I am. Yeah. It's the why me syndrome. I, I, it's a, it was, there were times where it was very, very lonely where I'm sitting there laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, wishing I had someone to talk to and God's going, just, just be patient. But I, I didn't want to hear it. it. You know, I'm like, no, this, this, what do you call it? You call it the Jerry Maguire syndrome. You complete me. Oh my goodness. I, I don't know that I sounded like that. No, maybe not in that tone. No, but I, I definitely had the Jerry Maguire syndrome of sorts, you know, longing for that relationship. Meanwhile, I accepted my assignments. You did. I accepted, you know, convalescent ministry. I accepted, um, you know, being called to go work for Calvary Chapel, an amazing organization, um, and, and a lot of other things. So I, I kept accepting the assignments that God kept giving me. And little did I know, he, he had me on this crash course with you. Um, and the whole time he was preparing me for it. So for the people that are out there that long to be in a relationship, 
It's very easy, and, and it's true for us, for you and I to sit there and say, hold on, be patient. Yeah. It's very a quick statement, but it's very true. But it's also challenging. It's so challenging. It really is. And God is giving you an opportunity to work on patience, <laughs> and he's probably putting assignments in front of you. Are you doing those assignments? Are you taking delight in those assignments? Right. You know, in convalescent ministry, let me tell you what, I, I, I grew up in Chicago, and when I moved to Florida, I, I have never, I, I, am, I am miserably hot. Oh, you! For, I know for the you last are. Twenty years. <laughs> I am miserably. I want the cold weather of Chicago in Florida. Retirement homes are the hottest buildings on the planet. <laughs> Every elderly person, they're all freezing, and and I had to stand up in front and give a sermon, drenching in sweat. I was, it was so miserable. In in. If you're walking around a retirement home in Florida, we people wear flip-flops and sandals and all sorts of things, right? Because you're always going to the beach, this, that, and the other. You're in a convalescent home, and you step in something wet. You, you just... Oh, gosh, you, Mike. You, you just keep right on walking because you never know. And, and you could, I could sit there, and I could point to all these things and say, oh, oh my gosh, that, that was so... It wasn't miserable. It was... I... I I took so much joy. Those people fed me. I thought I was going there to serve them. And the joy that they would show me. I remember this one lady. She was, her name was Victoria. She was 103 years old. Didn't speak a lick of English. Hardly at all. <laughs> spoke Spanish. And But every time that I would go into her room, she would be sitting there working on crossword puzzles. She loved her crossword puzzles. And I would walk up to her, and I don't know if she recognized me or not. I don't know if she was cognizant enough to ever recognize me. I did it for years. I don't know if she ever really recognized me. But I would walk up to her in her wheelchair, and I'd go, Victoria, have you decided to follow Jesus? And she would just bust out into that song, and she Aww. would start singing, and she knew it was time to go to church. And it fed my, it fed me so much. And had I not accepted that assignment, yeah, again, I, I wouldn't have been prepared for your parents and so on and so forth. But I showed up and I took joy in everything that I did over there with those people. And, and that was one story of, of hundreds, if not thousands of stories. And I took delight in the Lord and he gave me the desires of my heart. I remember having conversations with Jesus where I'm telling him what I want in a person. In uh -huh. I'm telling God... Your wish you. list. Yeah, I'm giving him, I'm giving God my wish list. And, and I said, I want to, I want to smile. I want to be with someone that, that smiles and, and you're just, you're, you're the happiest person I know. Oh, I'm the happy person. I, I am. You are. <laughs> you're the happiest person. And, and, and so, you know, all that to say, I, I know it can be discouraging as you mentioned it can be the Jerry Maguire syndrome. It can be all sorts of things. You can be questioning God. Why are you holding out? Hang on. Hang on and don't compromise. That's the other thing that both of us did well. We both did our assignments. Yep. And neither one of us compromised. We both said we already talked through celibacy. We don't need to rehash that. Uh, for both of us, it was no smoking. Oh, definitely. For both of us, it was no, we didn't want to, you didn't want to have any more children. Right. I did not want children. And that was hard. We, both of us, we even got, both of us got tremendous pressure. When I would walk around a church saying, I'm trying to find a woman. And by the way, I don't want to have kids. Yeah. I might as well have been a green bug. And, yeah. and you, did you have I experienced similar? the, um, Almost like, how could you not want to have more kids? Which I found to be completely baffling that anybody would make me feel like I was being selfish. I had already had kids. I mean, I wasn't going to go from, a you know, a, not even a teenager, almost an adult, to diaper bags again. No way. Don't you dare make me feel selfish. So, yeah, I got a lot of kickback as well.
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely got what. What do you mean? Well, you just haven't met the right person yet. <laughs> that was that was always my favorite. You, you just haven't met the right person yet, and I, 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 I would have conversations. I might as well have been talking to a wall. <laughs> it, but it, deep down, I knew. And so, if if God is going to give you, Lord, put put God in remi- uh, remembrance, remind Him of His promises, and and I would remind God, hey. I'm I'm taking joy in you, and and I know that you're going to give me the desires of my heart. And one of these desires is, I, I really don't want to have kids. Uh, again, I, I work with kids, I enjoy kids, work with the children's hospital. I, I just didn't want to have kids of my own, and and so, man, that's you talk about trying to find a unicorn. That that's oh, how it felt. I was your unicorn. You were. Oh. You were. But no, it's funny. One of our our first like date. Well, second date really was like, let's, I'm always a firm believer of let's get this stuff out on the table. Like none of us have time time. to wait. And, um, when, (laughs) when we figured out we both didn't want kids, it was like, oh, it was such a relief. Yeah. It was date date number. Yeah. It was a very early date, date two, three, something like that. I'll never forget because we both said, yeah, we don't want to have kids. So what was your next question? Well, are you willing to go have a vasectomy? <laughs> I literally, yes. Literally, on like our second or third date, you're sitting there probing me about whether or not I would go get a vasectomy. And and it, it's so funny I'm to listen so, to now. I can't believe you brought that up. That is so funny. It, it, I don't waste time. For, I want to know. For the it, for the audience, her face is red as a tomato right now. But <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was. But it, you know what? Looking and you back didn't out, even I, flinch at I that. Was like, oh, it's like immediately. Absolutely. You don't want to have kids? I will absolutely go get that, you know? <laughs> I couldn't believe Rip it. Rip and snip it, Doc. Let's go. Let's Rip get it done. and snip it. I thought I hit the lottery when you answered that question. Yeah. But, you know, but that's when you find, when, when you do your assignment mm-hmm. that God gives you and you do not compromise, it will feel like you hit the lottery when God introduces that person, you will know without a shadow of a doubt, and it, it's not going to take forever for you to piece it together. Um, yeah, that God brought the person. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is the person. Um, so, yeah, if, if anyone out there is listening and they're they're holding on and they're holding out hope, do your assignments and don't compromise and and be patient. Yes. That that's our advice. But then there's this other category of singleness. Oh. That I think we need to kind of transition to because we're getting to that point. Okay. And that is the single person that doesn't want to be in a relationship. Well, we've touched on that really. We touched on it a little bit. But there there's a couple couple of people that employees at, at Calvary Chapel that I think of that absolutely embrace and love their life as a single person (laughs) it's such a blessing to see i I, it's encouraging yeah i I can't yeah that's it that that, that's all i can say like i can't even articulate it but it's so encouraging uh the two people that i'm thinking of both are, are are women one loves to just hike mountains she literally just goes all over the world hiking mountains. Crazy fun person is absolutely on fire for Jesus. She is. If you want to talk evangelist, she is an evangelist. And she will talk to anyone. If if you know this person, you know Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're a member of her kickboxing class. It doesn't matter if you're standing 14,000 feet above sea level, you're going to know about Jesus. And and I adore her. She is so much fun. She has such a wonderful attitude and she cherishes every moment that she has. And, and it's so refreshing. She does not, if, if a relationship comes great, but if not, she is just so firm and comfortable with who she is. And I think, the thing you can really pinpoint in that is her identity is not wrapped up in what the world thinks of her. Her identity is not wrapped up in what a man thinks of her. Her identity is firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. And that's the difference. 
that's what really gives you the anchor to your soul is Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my my Abba Father, my Redeemer, my Provider, my Husband, my my best friend. And when you have that and Jesus tells you who you are, I mean, there's a ton of great scriptures about identity in the Bible. It becomes anything that someone can add to that that's a blessing, great. Because you can't take anything away from that person. You know what I'm saying? So I think her mentality might be, and I don't I don't know for sure, but if you're not going to add value to what I already have, which is I'm complete in Jesus Christ, if you don't want to add value to that, then, you know, why would I want a relationship? I mean, I have everything I need in Jesus. And, and that says so much. Being able to have that attitude says so much about both you as an individual and as Jesus. Yes, it's a great testimony. Because Jesus completes everything. Let me tell you, ladies, if you're if you think marriage is going to complete something for you, men, if you think getting married to a woman is going to complete something for you, you are completely disappointed. Yeah, (laughs) you are complete as you are. Right, and and that's where you know both of these ladies that I'm thinking of, they 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 just embody completeness. Mm -hmm. They're so content. In every aspect of their life, and there's so much joy, but it's because they are so rooted in Jesus and the identity that He's given them. One, one, one of them is divorced, and the other has never been married. Um, both of them older than us. I, I don't know what their ages are, but older than us. Um, Into their fifties. Yeah, and and. But man alive, they, they both of them just light up a room. I know they do. Do you know any men that are single that are that happy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. There, you know, one that we wanted that we've talked about bringing on this show is, is the guy that works for me. Um, he's where we were. If I had to guess, uh, John, I, I'd say John's maybe thir- early thirties. Early thirties. Y- yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, 31, 32, 33 in that range. And, and John's completely happy. John comes up to visit us That's all the true. time. He is happy. He, yeah. And, and he, again, but he, you and I invite him. He's got a buddy, a, a gym buddy that comes up with him, his, his buddy named Oscar. They come up and they visit us. You know, we live what, two and a half hours away, and they're here every six months. They're coming to your birthday party in November. Yeah. So, you know, but John is another one that just is completely content with where he's at in life, and it's beautiful to see him having that in his 30s where so much of the world would be pressuring him, and he he probably is getting it to go get married and so on and so forth. But you you talk to John, and, and... he, he he's just very happy. He's getting out there. He's traveling around. Mm-hmm. He's serving Jesus. And if he desires to be a husband, he's taken delight in the Lord. And I know that I have no doubt that he would make an amazing husband. And if he wants to stay single, he is going to have so much fun. He, he's going to be just fine. Yeah. So yeah, there you see the gambit and I don't know why that's not celebrated more. Because really all three of these, yeah, all three of these people that I'm thinking of right now, all of them are an absolute, they, they, I, I wish I was as comfortable in my identity as they are. Mm. They, they, they all three are just such an inspiration and I wish that would be celebrated more, but, and it's not just the church kind of circling back around. It's not just the church. It's society as a whole oh, for sure. does it. Yes, it's it's within the church, but it's also outside the church. And that's what makes it, it, it just as hard. Right. We should be different than the world. Yeah. You know? I mean, you have your rom-coms. You have movies that are just so much about romance. And it's like, okay, romance is all well and good, but there's nothing. There's not a healthy example of singleness in our culture, and yeah. that's that's really a detriment, I think. All, all the music that's being released today, all of it. 
it's all about sex or relationship or this, that, and the other. Or leaving a relationship. Yep. Or, yeah. Occasionally a country singer will talk about, you know, a tractor or a dog dying or something. Oh, but, stop. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it really is celebrated everywhere. Um, and and to, to be in a relationship. And, and so it, it really is a lot of pressure for people. I know. And, and people are sometimes afraid to be counterculture. And I think that's what is, um, it's a worthy journey to be counterculture. It's not an easy one, but it is a worthy one. And it can have so much life and freedom to it to be counterculture. Yeah, and, and you know, people, I, I hear a lot of things about, you know, be counterculture. And, and sometimes it's even hard to identify what that is. At the end of the day, if you just follow Jesus, you're going to be counterculture. Yeah. So much of what he did and his, his position on women back in the day was so counterculture. 100%. How much he valued women, how highly he valued them was so different than the rest of the world. You know, it didn't matter how much money you had. It didn't matter if you were a tax collector or a fisherman. You are both equal in his eyes, completely counterculture. And he changed Samaria. the world. Yes. This, this woman by the well, mm. you know, um, what is that? Matthew chapter, what is that? Five. Is it chapter five? Okay. I think. Yeah, I think. But there, there's a, a story in Matthew chapter five that's this beautiful woman by the well that just resonates. The story resonates with you. I know it does. And so many people out there, that whole situation jesus responded very counterculture and so you know it, it it's it's just critical that you always turn to jesus whether it's these three individuals that i'm thinking of they're always turning to jesus they're very comfortable with their identity there so you would label their entire lives as counterculture but they feel they, they they give off vibes you don't see anxiety in them you no. don't see you see a, a steadfast foothold in their their life, and that's because they're so comfortable with who they are because it's who Jesus made them to be, mm -hmm. and they've embraced this single life as part of that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it, it, it's just, it, it's rare to see, and I think that's why they come so quickly to mind, and, and there's more, but, um, but yeah. So is there anything else that you kind of want to talk through on, on singleness? I think we've kind of... I think we've touched on singleness. I yeah. would like to spend a lot more time on, um, you know, maybe even interviewing John and, and talking with him and interviewing some other people about their experience with singleness. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk about it. I have a great Devo in, um, on my website about singleness. It's called um, Sexuality and the Simple Life. And it's on the passage I discussed earlier where Paul celebrates, you know, hey, if you're single, great. If you're married, great. Um, I think it's something that might be helpful for someone who'd like to look into that a little bit deeper. Yeah, so we got some feedback from some listeners that, um, they would love for us some of these resources that we're talking about for us to uh, attach those to the, the podcast feed. So we're going to do our best to add those. Um, but in case you get to this episode before we we do, uh, as far as attaching the notes, uh, your website is just debmarsalisi.com Correct. Uh, or detours.life. That's the website for our podcast. We link directly to your website from there. Uh, so people can just go and they can search um, for for your for your Devo writing there. Um, so w again, one more time, what's the name of it? Sexuality and the Simple Life. So there you go. So that'll be a resource uh, for everyone out there. Uh, but if you are in that season, that detour of singleness, uh, em embrace it. it. And and we understand that that might be a hard thing to listen to, and you might have kind of some frustrated feelings or, or this isn't fair feelings, whatever it may be. But my goodness, now that my wife and I are together and I look back on that season of singleness, I never grew so much in my life. Me too. As a Christian. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I was uh, every moment of free time was spent with Jesus and it, it, 
I look back and he totally prepared me for you. Likewise, likewise. And it was an opportunity where I had a lot of healing that took place in that singleness Yeah, that prepared me for you. So, yeah. So don't rush it guys. It, it, it's absolutely worth the wait. It's worth the effort. And if you're not even worried about getting in a relationship, man, that, that is a wonderful season. Um, so embrace that as well, but thank you guys so much. This, uh, has been a wonderful time It has talking about singleness. I think we are going to do an entire season on it. As Deb mentioned, we can bring in some guests, but there's also plenty to talk through, uh, on just how to do the single life, how to do it well, because we both did it for so long. We'd love to shorten learning curves and, and <laughs> share in similar experiences and so on and so, so forth with you guys. But Thank you so much for joining us for episode number six. Episode seven and possibly eight are actually going to be about how we met and kind of our yes. uh, love story, which, my goodness, I've never heard one quite like this. And <laughs> maybe a lot of people say that, but this is a doozy. It is. This is definitely a doozy. So, Guys, we so, we so appreciate you listening. Hey, thanks so much, everyone. We will catch you next time. See you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to Detours. For more content, you can find us on Spirit FM Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, or on our website at detours.life. To view my writings or to contact me for public speaking engagements, visit my website at debmarsalisi.com.